I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two nerds try to sit in front of microphones and talk about the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. Coming to you live from the end of history, my name is Jordan Ferguson. Joining me on the other line, from Scenic Hamilton, Ontario, in the satellite branch is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hi, everyone. It's the end of the world. Ain't it just... Friends, this is episode 199, as are they all, until such time as we can properly celebrate episode 200. Every episode will be episode 199. If you would like to listen to any of our other episode 199s or any of our other 199 episodes, you can go to wherever you get your audio content, search Geek Down Pod, give us a follow or a subscribe, and from henceforth, new episodes will be brought directly to your device on the back of a rainbow-made alicorn named Philip by your man... Chauncey Brasilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Fun fact about Chauncey, I learned. Philip the Rainbow Maned Alicorn. Stolen from the police. Former police alicorn. Really? Yes. Really? Chauncey said Black Lives Matter. I'm sorry. Stolen or liberated, Jordan? Liberated. Liberated. If you would like to congratulate Chauncey or find out where you can donate to a bail fund in his name, you can reach us on most social medias, primarily Twitter. Twitter. At Geek Down Pod, we have a Facebook, but I don't know that Facebook really deserves much of our engagement at this point, but it's there. It's there. It's how I keep in touch with most of my friends and family who are many of them of the older generation. Boy, are they. Man, I think Zuckerberg thought that this was where it was going to end up. He was a young, young, plucky sociopath. (laughs) I think he knew. You think you knew it was going to be? You think you knew it was going to be olds and olds and weirds? <laughs> hey, um, honey, I'm old and weird. Um, yeah, I think he did. I think he knew. I think initially, it. I think it worked out the way he thought, which was initially it was going to be lots of young people and be the cool new thing, and then he'd monetize it, and other shinier things would grab the attention of the kids, and yeah. Off they went. Friends, if you would like to support this endeavor financially, do not take your money. Give it to Black Lives Matter. Give it to a bail fund. Give it to any organization working to help end the oppression of people of color. We would much prefer that. Uh, Former patrons, current patrons, patrons on pause. um, The suspension suspension of the Patreon campaign is sort of a month-to-month thing that I have to... Um, maintain and like I have to flick a switch every month and <laughs> y'all the days are just packed I didn't even realize what day it was so June 1st came and went and I realized y'all got charged um, I have checked as of this recording day which is Monday June 1st uh, if you have been charged by Patreon I've already refunded it and I will keep an eye on it throughout the week for the rest of y'all if you do get charged uh, I will refund that as well a lot of people who were refunded were like asking me why and i'm like if you feel that strongly about it you can buy us a coffee or put that money somewhere else to good use it just does not feel right to take y'all's money at this very weird and odd time so i woke up on friday 
and had uh, finally got my royalty, my book royalty, like a month and a week late, a month and almost two months late now that I think about it, and I had been in the midst of my usual hem-haw about some uh, some rare birds that had shown up on the old Discogs for the first time ever, and I was about to launch into my usual strategy sesh with Mr. Malosh when, uh, you know, I saw that President Cocksuck had tweeted, when the looting starts, the shooting starts, and I just said, add to cart and buy. <laughs> so I think you, you made a mention to it, of it, sorry, I made a mention of it um, earlier in our conversation, hmm. but um, this is, I know what week this is that has just happened. You know what week this is? Yeah. It's the longest week. <laughs> this week has been nine years long. I rattled off to Mr. Malash on Friday. So that was Friday. What had happened in like those seven days from this past Friday to the Friday before it? The pandemic, still here. The cratering of global capitalism, still here. And then on top of that, you had the suicide of Hannah Kimura, the result of online bullying. You had the murder of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police force. You had Amy Cooper in Central Park threatening to call the police on a black man, knowing full well what calling the police on a black man could result in. You then had the suspicious, unclear circumstances around the death of Regis Korchinski-Paquette here in Toronto. Uh, still trying to figure out if you're, if you're not from Toronto, you don't know this story. Basically there was some sort of disturbance at her apartment building and she was alive when the cops went in and when they left, she was dead. She had fallen off her balcony somehow. And I don't think anybody's coming out and saying the cops did it, but it's odd. There are questions that the public would like answered. And then, and then on Friday, the president cocksuck basically threatening to turn the U.S. military on its own citizenry, which now on Monday, about an hour before we started recording, he basically did, while breaking, while tear-gassing a peaceful protest down the street from where he was giving a press conference so we could get a photo up, um, and this then, so that was all on Friday, before the protests had really started off, before the clashes with police really started off, and I spent the weekend maybe reading too much, spending too much time on Twitter, too much time on social media in general. And, you know, Kate and I were talking about this before we hit record, where, like, I don't think anyone will be surprised by the political leanings of either host of this program. Correct? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What I think I had said was I find the posting of certain things as like, I don't want to come off harsh because I, I'm like happy for people to do it. And I think it can be good, but it's kind of like a pat on your own back. You wonder if it feels performative. Yes. And that's kind of what I was struggling with over the weekend. Cause I was reading all this stuff and I was thinking all types of things and feeling all kinds of way. And, you know, for whatever limited reach I have either via the show Twitter or my own personal Twitter, like y'all know what I think. So do I need to say it? And part of it felt like I should just clear out and, you know, 
retweet pertinent things, use whatever reach I have to amplify voices of other people, um, things like that, which does have a purpose, but you know, the more I was thinking about it, and this is really what it comes down to in case anyone else within the sound of my voice has been, you know, questioning their own position. Not that I question my own position, but I mean, is whether or not, you know, a retweet is enough. And it just, I had the thought, which has occurred to other people since, that, like, there has not been a single day of my life that I can frankly remember ever that has not been improved by or had joy brought into it through the work or art or thought or spirit or beauty of black people. But period. That's right. that's where it stops. My life has been improved every day through black culture and black people. And this people bring immense joy to my life while enduring a constant threat to their own every day. And they deserve better than a retweet. So if I have to say it, if, you know, if it's unclear, protect black lives, black lives matter. All cops are bastards. <laughs> okay. So that's funny we got to that. I didn't know if we would, but um, I agree with that. And I, um, what I think is that what is more important is actions. As they say, actions speak louder than words. Um, and I just try and live my life to be a kind, open, loving person to hope that when the time comes, if the time came, if, hopefully not when, but if the time came, I would hide people in my attic. Like, <laughs> like I hope that I have that type of character and I strive every day to sort of embody the principles that I think are important, um, which is to, you know, love thy neighbor, that people are human, that all of us are the same. We, we don't, we, we have to struggle together because that's the only way we'll succeed together. Um, and, you know, partially jo joking, but eat the rich. Like, I, you know, like I'm a gross, you know, pinko, commie uh, type. Um, I know it's not, it seems a little weird, but I actually, I, I, for me, I understand that all cops are bastards, but from a family of, people who are cops. <laughs> um, that's, you know, hard. I understand where it comes from. And I know I'm not ever, I don't defend the um, abuse of power. That's, and that has been unchecked. That so is long. really, when I say all cops are bastards, that's, that's the angle I'm coming at it with. Not that all cops are bastards. I read an article today from 2018 about a story from out of Virginia. I think it was where, a cop, a small town cop was fired for not shooting a person of color because. Right. And that like, there's just this sort of wild, I'm going to call it the wild South because we're in Canada of the United States, which is just, it, it's, it's almost hard for us to comprehend. But at the same time, we have to remember to look at ourselves. Sometimes it's nice to be able to be like, at least we're not the United States. We also have issues oh, where people too, yeah. from Canada don't know. Not only do we have problems uh, with discrimination, we 
we also have problems with the abuse of power. Um, it still happens, and it's happened again and again, where in small towns where there um, is a population of indigenous peoples, uh, there was a, I don't know what if it had a name, but basically there was a, a, a thing where if you got picked up, the police would drop you at the edge of town, and that could be kilometers away, didn't matter what the weather was like, and you had to walk back into town. Like this was like a, a practice that they had mm -hmm. that from what I know still goes unchecked. So really you can't, we can't gloat from up here because we have our own issues. Um, you're so talking, many of them. You're talking about Toronto where like it was not that long ago where its version of stop and frisk carding was like standard practice where just like, yes. Yeah, and there was like there was instances where there would be like kids playing in their their on their lawn, and police like carted them and questioned them. And, and we're talking kids; we're not even talking like ad adults or young adults. We're talking about children. Um, it's a big problem, um, and I think, unfortunately, and I I, I have worked with ex-police officers before, um, I think there's definitely a, um, there are many issues with abuse of power, um, not just the police, but I do have a, a problem because um, I know that's what, I know that's what it means when people say all cops are bastards, but at the same time, I also understand because again, I have police officers in my family, um, how under-supported they are. And again, it's not, it, it's, it's who manages you. It's who your leaders are that really and the can change the issues. The and culture. the culture you want to support. like Yeah. And I think, I think that's so important to keep in mind because you know a lot of times in the last i would say like 10 years we've heard more and more that you know the wealthy are trying to get would love a race war because then we're not really looking at the systemic issues of of poverty and who who gets what in our society which is really the big issue and this is so like having poor whites and poor blacks fight that's a great means people aren't paying attention. I think we need to definitely keep our focus on the redistribution of wealth because I'm, of course, a garbage pinko. Um, and, and, and what, how our culture is basically molded by that. And this That's goes to another point that I wanted to bring up that I was thinking of over the course of the weekend. And now I'm really like talking to Windsor, Essex. I'm talking to back home. I'm talking to people I grew up with or anyone else in the sound of my voice, because, you know, while realizing, you know, over the weekend that like black people deserve more than my retweet type of thing. They need, you know, more than they need. They deserve more. Part of that is to take stock of all the ways that white supremacy lodged its way into my soft little brain growing up in ways that I didn't even realize. Like I, 
can fully cop to the idea that maybe even as recently as 10 years ago, I would be fully on board for everything happening. But then once the things got kind of violent and windows started getting smashed, I might have clutched my pearls a little and gone, well, you don't need to. It kind of undercuts your message type of thing. I, I very possibly could have been that guy. Never mind the fact that, you know, the right being the language of the unheard. And that also, it's usually the cops that escalate it, usually. A lot of footage of that. The cops in the U.S. are, like, crazy militarized. The one clip I saw that was, like, infuriating to me. Two clips I saw that infuriated me. One of, like, some little Call of Duty fuck, like, fully decked out. Like, hopping from one foot to the other. Like, waiting. He's just waiting for something to pop off. And the second he hears that something might be happening down the left flank or something, he like, but he's dust. It's like a dust silhouette of him. He's like gone. <laughs> he can't wait for it. So that's like, all cops are bastards. All cops are not bastards, but also they kind of are. I don't know if you saw the clip about, of the cop that was crying at one of the demonstrations. No. Looked like this older white guy. He had a mask on and like this black girl's kneeling in front of him. And she's like, the protesters are basically saying like, we see you have heart. Like, just take that knee, man. Just take that knee. Like, we see what this is doing to you. We know, we know how you're feeling. Like, like just take the knee. And eventually another cop comes over and removes him and replaces him with a cop holding a baton. Now I can't speak to what, you know, the supervisor in that role thought he was doing when he removed that cop. But like that one just hit different. And there have been, Incidents where, in, like, in Flint, the sheriff in Flint, like, basically talked to the crowd, said, you know what? Let's not make this a protest. Let's make this a parade. I took off all my gear. It's over there. Let's walk together. Like, there have been those moments. Some of them you can be cynical and say they were just photo ops. Some of them, I believe, are legitimate. But also, lots of video floating around Twitter of cops just snatching people. My favorite one was the, were the cops handcuffing a guy who turned out to be a fucking FBI agent, but he was black. So as he's just standing there going, I can't wait for y'all to check my ID. He's standing there getting cuffed, talking to the guy filming. I'm going, my, just, you just wait. You just wait till they pull my ID out. This is going to be fucking great. <laughs> and then one white cop pulls it out and looks at it and shows it to the other white cop. And he's like, yeah, that's right. You are the, how'd you get this job? You're the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever seen in my life. Um, <laughs> But that's not really what I want to talk about. Kate, you know I tend to be a very Occam's Razor type of person. I don't like any of this, like, get your third eye open, deep state, like, what they're not telling you type of shit. Like, you know I don't go in for that. Yeah. But I saw a lot of stuff this weekend, and I need to talk to my people who are like, well, I'm with them till they start breaking shit. And clue you in to the playbook that was very much on display this weekend. When protesters were filming neatly stacked piles of bricks in the middle of the road and going, yeah, I was here three weeks ago. There weren't any bricks. I had jury duty. There were no bricks. Where's the construction? (laughs) Why are these bricks here? Yeah. Two footage of a black woman running up to a car, handing a brick back to a car full of white people who were handing them out to black people. Two cops coaching a white person what to spray paint on the side of a Starbucks. Two shots of white people pushing black protesters into cops. Like Kate said, there are people who would love to see this escalate even more into a white V black thing. And you know, the fucking proud boys and the anarchists are out there. You really start checking this footage. It's not the black folks that are smashing up windows. 
Well, they they came up with something saying that they found out that a bunch of them were tied to a white supremacist group, the people who were smashing windows and looting. Yep. Like, there's, you know, there's a lot going on here. And as it's been talked about quite often, it's not that racism is worse. (laughs) It's that we're seeing things more literally and figuratively. Like we, there is more video. There, it, video is easier to access. It's easier to upload. It's easier to take. Um, and there are more people who are speaking out about things. Um, and I think definitely this presidency, <laughs> if it has done nothing else, it has shown us how how wild things can get. So I like if like 20 years ago you were like this is what's happening. Everybody like, "Oh, this is a conspiracy theory." Now so many crazy, shitty, bizarre things have happened and have been shown to to be the truth or what really did happen that like everyone's like, "Yeah, I'd believe it." Like, <laughs> I totally believe it. I don't think it's like, "Oh, wait. No, no, no. I totally believe that that is happening." So yeah, it's this is this is what I mean by the end of the world. I don't actually think that, you know, it's the zombie apocalypse. I think that it's the end of this sort of, like, protective... You know when you go to, like, an Italian granny's house and the couch has, like, a plastic cover on it? Yes. That plastic cover is coming off. Like, all the... the they're, we get to see now how things are really working. Um, and it's scary and it can be traumatizing. Um, but I think it's the only way we could probably move forward. I hope, fingers crossed. Um, I also hope, this is always a weird, stupid hope, but I really hope more people get into politics. Well, you're already into politics, whether you know it or not. I mean, you know, run for offices, you know, run to be elected officials. I can't do it because people don't like me, <laughs> but I would like people. I'm, I'm totally serious. One day I'll go on a tangent about this, but like, I do hope more people who maybe feel like they they can't or they shouldn't will take that step because really that's the only way that we're going to, they're going to stop things um, going down the same path they're going now. Well, friends, sorry if this is like too much reality for your show about, you know, nerd, <laughs> nerd shit and funny books. But I mean, there's just too much real in the world to not talk about it, frankly. And that's kind of all that's been in the news cycle. Um, aside from what's, what's per what's pertinent to our demo, in the current news cycle, uh, John Boyega reaching full on king status and just <laughs> saying like, fuck my career. I'm done with y'all. <laughs> if I have a career when this is over, great. But like, what was yeah. it? What was the quote? This Star Wars movie got all, some of y'all all the way fucked up. <laughs> if you think he uh, is going to play nice with racists. So shouts to that dude. He is not. Um, there was also supposed to be some sort of PlayStation five announcement press conference, something today, uh, that Sony was like, you know what? We're good. This ain't the time. 
to which video game fans were very understanding and, you know, reasonable. (laughs) 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 I make myself laugh. Uh, Yeah, I only got like one reply into that thread of some chud whining that Microsoft would never do this. This is unacceptable. I was like, that's enough of any of this today. <laughs> um, so I guess then friends, we didn't even say we were so, we were so hot to get into the topics and the news of the day that like, we didn't mention that we're back in format this week. I mean, you'd know by looking at the title, but it's opportune June, y'all. Yeah. We can't let opportune June pass us by because ne- we don't know what the next day is going <laughs> to Who knows? Who if knows? you think about the end of the world, it makes it better, right? R.E.M. knew that in the 80s. <laughs> womp, womp, hotches. Uh, there's nothing dates you more than an R.E.M. reference. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you're immediately... Because R.E.M. is like Harry Suzumiya. Like, they just, like, vanished one day and nobody remembers R.E.M. If you're under a certain age. What's that age? Uh, like, 37. <laughs> what? I know who R.E.M. is. <laughs> What's the frequency, Kenneth? Uh, so, because we are back to format, we actually have a back half of the show again. Oh my god, I'm gonna the, the template for uh, editing the episodes. I'm gonna have to like put that music cue back in. Oh god, it's a mess, y'all. Um, it's a mess. This is a total mess. But that means things have to come sort of out of order again, which means we're doing updates like now. What? Yeah. Because they're not gonna come at the end of the show. They're gonna come now. So, Kate. Yeah. It took you so long. To remember. But what have you been watching this week? A bunch of stuff. So I'm going to start with books because I finished Warlock. Now, or the run. That was, run of Warlock. How was that? By Jim Sterling. It was fucking weird. Yeah. It was, it just got weirder. I didn't think it could get weirder and then it just got weirder. And then weirder again. Um, star killer, star stealer, sure. star thief, star thief is a weird villain that makes no sense. And yeah, that was like, I was like, okay, um, that was strange. Then I was like, I need something to cleanse my palate. So I read She-Hulk volume two. Which She-Hulk? Charles Soule? Um, the one, yeah, the one, the second one of the ones you gave me. The one we would have talked about way long ago? Yes, Charles Soule. Yes, yes. Uh, which was excellent. Yeah, it was. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it made me very happy. And I was like, I'm really glad that um, I'm reading comic books in the year 2020, and it's not the 70s. <laughs> um, then I have I have watched some things, not as much as I thought, weirdly. But TV-wise, um, I had mentioned the show Queens of Mystery. Yes. Wasn't sure if I was going to finish that, and I did. Um, I was very concerned that, because it, it ended, it, not surprising because it's British, it ended on its sixth episode. Um, and it hadn't, there were all these things that hadn't, you know, tied up. Mm-hmm. Lots of loose ends. Um, and then I read an article and it said that it there is supposed to be a second season coming, which is great because it um, it's good. It gets it a little more of its sea legs. Um, it's a little bit quirky, a little bit fun. Um, the characters are great. So yes, liked it a lot. 
and then movie-wise, so I do a movie night uh, with my friend Ren. Um, and this movie night, we watched The Little Princess or A Little Princess. Mm-hmm. Um, it is of the generation of movies like The Secret Garden that were made for my age group in the 90s. <laughs> and we basically watched them over and over again. Um, it was, you know, fine, sort of ridiculous, um, the ending, but you're a child. You're like, this is fine. This makes sense. Um, and then all the YouTube, all the YouTube, all the YouTube. Yeah. So I showed Jordan some videos I had been watching recently called black in Japan. And it is basically a series of videos. He actually doesn't just interview people in Japan. He also interviews them in, like, Saigon and Korea. Um, But basically, uh, usually people from the United States, uh, black people from the United States. So he has interviewed black Africans uh, a couple of times. Um, And basically what their experience is like moving to, you know, Japan or or um, China, or um, Vietnam. Uh, And very, very interesting. Uh, The interviews are a little long, probably, for some people, uh, but I just find them fascinating. A lot, to bring it back to Ted into what we were talking about, a lot of people that he interviews say that they feel a sense of freedom and safety Mm -hmm. that they never experienced before in their life. Um, and that it's really, really liberating. A lot of people uh, originally, especially in Japan, get there being part of the armed forces or the United States Army and then end up coming back. And even if they leave, a lot of the time they come back again. <laughs> they just, I think they just, they get, you know, they're they're like, no, maybe I'm imagining things. And then they get back to the U.S. and they're like, absolutely not. <laughs> I am coming back. Um, and just, yeah, a different... Uh, way of life a lot attracts a lot of people, but definitely there is this thing that comes a lot up a lot, especially from those who are black living in the United States originally, that they talk about a sense of freedom. Um, so those are very interesting. You can go check those out on YouTube. Um, then a lot of videos about film. Uh, specifically, this woman does these videos. Um, her channel is called Be Kind Rewind. And she does. She talks about the history of film and about things like certain Oscar wins. So why did this person win over this person in the 1968 like Oscars? Um, and it's really interesting because she talks about the politics. She talks about one of the probably famous ones people know about is um, Judy Garland. Sorry, not Judy Garland. Um, oh God, Sound of Music. Jordan. Jordan. Julie Andrews. Help me out. Julie Andrews. There we go. I knew there was Julie there somewhere. Uh, Julie Andrews uh, winning over the other Hepburn, not Catherine. Audrey. Audrey. Audrey Hepburn. See, I got it. Um, so Julie Andrews had been in the stage production of My Fair Lady. And when it came to cast the movie version, they did not cast Julie Andrews. And she was devastated because she hadn't been on film. This could have been her big break. Um, But it opened her up, and instead she was able to portray um, Mary Poppins, which won her the Oscar. And that's one of the videos, but there are tons on her channel. 
and she does things really succinctly. Um, she makes it very interesting, and I think you should go check it out if you are interested in film. And uh, besides that, the only other news or updates I have are um, uh, delivery updates. God. Parcels, if you will. Parcels. Yeah. What'd you get? So, during the week or two of e-shopping week, e-commerce week, I bought some stuff on Etsy because I like to support small businesses. And I think I'm pretty sure I mentioned that while I was watching Murder, She Wrote, in the, like, sidebar oh, advertising. Right. Your fucking, your fucking Funko Pop. A Jessica Fletcher Funko Pop came up. And I knew this thing was going to take forever. It was like a pre-order. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I have to have it, but it's going to take forever. So from Etsy, I had ordered, one of the things I had ordered was a tea cozy. Because I have wanted one for years and keep on forgetting they exist. And my tea kept on getting cold. Mm -hmm. Like I'm having full pots of tea right now because I can't because I'm working from home. Um, but it keeps, keeps on getting cold. And I'm like, this will not do. Oh, I need something to keep it warm. What, and I was what like, is right. one to do? Tea cozies. They exist. So I ordered one. For some reason, I got this weird email. I was like, rate this item. And I was like, oh, it must have come into the mail. I haven't checked the mail in a couple of days. So I ran. I actually didn't run. But I walked quickly to the mailbox. And I opened the box expecting the tea cozy. No, no, my friends. Jessica Fletcher has arrived with her tiny little flashlight. Oh. Did you gasp? Did I gasp? Yes. Of course I gasped. <laughs> There's a full... <gasps> Probably guy, the guy at the like, mailbox across the street was like, I hope that girl's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she having some sort of fit? No, no. See, I'm opening her right now. Oh, there. Oh, God. <gasps> Oh my god, look at her. Look at her tiny little haircut. Oh, oh god. Oh, I love her so much. Look at her little brown shoes. Only you, Jessica Fletcher. Her little brown shoes. Yes. She <clears throat> brown shoes. Oh, so love it. Love it. She's not a bobblehead, but that is okay. I can forgive her for that. Oh my god, I love her so much. Her little purse. Oh, she has little wrinkles. Anyways, I'm delighted. We know it doesn't take much to amuse me. Mm -hmm. But I was very excited about getting this, and I just wanted to share it with everyone. Also, for those of you asking or wondering, my pumpkins are doing well. Thank you. <laughs> I know I was wondering. Mm -hmm. So, Jordan, that, those are my updates. Those are Caitlin's updates. Well, I don't really have a lot worth mentioning. Um... But a couple of them are interesting, I suppose. Uh, things we've talked about before, but haven't talked about recently. The documentary on late-era Undertaker continues to be amazing. Right. Very weird to hear this dude just chatting in his normal voice, <laughs> talking about how he met his wife and shit. I'm like, what is happening? Um, like, who are you? And basically what we have is we, you know, we have a story of this guy who, like, knows... He just wants that 
he wants that one, right? He wants that one match, that last match that he can feel good about. And, you know, he had that match with Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, kind of stunk up a little bit. He wasn't really feeling good about it. He gets surgery on his hip, really graphically. <laughs> um, yeah. Hip, replace- yeah. hip yeah. replacements are gnarly, y'all. Um, <laughs> he starts getting in shape. He's feeling good. They book him against John Cena the next year. Ba-da-ba-ba-da. At WrestleMania. And he's feeling good. He's moving better than he ever has before. But it was a three-minute squash match. I remember that match. Ooh. Um, Ooh. Yeah. They, he was like, I was ready to go for like 15-20. And you know, they gave me Maybe seven, or they, they gave me four. That's that's how it goes sometimes. You know, I'm just happy to be on the show type of thing. You know, this could be my last one, so I'm just happy to be here. Um, and he does a couple other things. He has his last match in the garden, and that was okay, but, you know, it was a tag match. <laughs> you know, he keeps finding reasons why the matches he's in. The matches he's in either stink. He has a couple that are just right. stinkers. It was actually great hearing. He had this match with um, Kane, this guy who played, like, his brother, Kayfabe. And Triple H and Shawn Michaels in Australia, I think it was. It was one of these, like, international-type paydays. Um, and what's funny is, like, everybody, they're all they're all old pros. They've been at this forever. They work together a lot. And Shawn Michaels even says at one point, like, it's like, may as well be a night off. Like, <laughs> that's how easy this is right. going to go. No. Triple H tears his peck off of the bone during this, ma- during this match. Um oh. So now Sean's basically got to do all the work. Um, Kane used to wear this like mask and wig. And at one point it gets knocked off his face. Like, <laughs> oh my God, it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a botchamania. And you know, you see them walk backstage afterwards and Shawn Michaels just goes, missed it by that much. Um, cause they all know they just stunk up the place. So now even his wife says, it's like, well, here's what we want. He's, he, he has something he's not happy with. And now he's got to like find redemption. And they didn't have an episode this week, but the next episode is going to be that match with Goldberg that just, like, they both almost died in fucking up suplexes and shit. Um, So I know ultimately this is going to lead to that weird Boneyard match he had with AJ this year at WrestleMania, which was, like, cinematic and, like, the movie Roadhouse. And, you know, will that be... (laughs) You always do that. Will that be the point that he's, like, happy, you know? Even though it wasn't a traditional match, is you know, can he be happy to leave this character, or this part of his life uh, behind? He's been doing the podcast circuit, which is also weird. I've gotten to a couple of them or a couple clips, but like, he's like so open right now, which is it's still so bizarre to me. Anyway, uh, it's great. It's on the WWE Network if you have cable. If you don't have cable, there are other ways to there are other ways to watch wrestling if you don't have cable. Um, you can watch wrestling however you like. Sorry, you were saying, Kate? Uh, I, I was just asking the most important question of all. Hmm. Is he on the list? The Undertaker? Yeah. Uh, probably he was at some point, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, it's like my favorite part of wrestling. Shut your ass, fathead. <laughs> Fucking Jericho. They had this match. Uh, they had this match at the last AEW pay-per-view. That, what are they calling it? The 
the stadium stampede because like yeah you know the owner owns the jacksonville jaguar so they were in the arena they were in the state the football stadium jericho's stable of five and you know the elite kenny omega the young bucks uh matt hardy who recently jumped ship to AEW and uh uh hangman page that's his name and it was just like bizarre it was like their take on the cinematic match type of thing but it was like completely batshit at one point jericho knocked out like the guy in the mascot suit like this guy sammy guevara who's like the mvp he gets knocked out earlier in the match wakes up like 15 minutes in thinks they won and is celebrating like it's just (laughs) (laughs) it was it was good times hangman page rode a horse and chased sammy guevara down like it was good shit that's good shit brother um so uh what do i want to do next um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll do YouTube. Um, so if you need something to soothe yourself in this god awful time we're living in, I don't know when this happened. I don't know how it came to my attention or why it didn't come to my attention sooner. But the music of Cowboy Bebop, one of the best parts about Cowboy Bebop, which is one of the best anime yeah. ever made was done by a band, not really a band, just a group of, like, session players assembled by the goddess, queen, empress, whatever you want to call her, Yoko Kano, uh, called the Seatbelts. And they did all the music for Cowboy Bebop, the very jazzy, pop jazz type of signature music for the show. And they started a YouTube channel, and they have done two types of things. They have either, A, done virtual sessions, where they, they are playing tank or the ending theme or various selections from Cowboy Bebop or Yoko Kano's other works in their individual homes and then somebody edits it all together and they have also done like jam sessions where you yourself can submit you playing to one of these songs and then they will edit it all into a supercut very much like that real folk blues one that uh, Funimation did uh, kind of as a fundraiser a month a couple months ago um, I these are delightful <laughs> is the <laughs> Is the simplest way to put it. Um, Yoko Kano, it does not really put herself out there a lot, so it's easy to not know what a weirdo she is. <laughs> <laughs> if you followed her career for a very long time, you get a bit of that sense. Um, even just with some of the music she's done over the years, the, the kind of the direction she goes down. I mean, Cats on Mars is a song she made, like for Cowboy Bebop. That and it's fantastic, but. It's much different than anything else on there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, in the version of Tank that they did just themselves, she is, like, dancing in shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't pick her out right away. I was, I was like, I wonder if Yoko's here. Oh, that person dancing in shadow is very obviously her. <laughs> um, and then... Looking for the weirdest person. Whatever the oddest thing is, somebody dancing in a... Somebody lying in a bathtub, somebody dancing in a bathtub, somebody sitting at a keyboard while toasting a bagel, that's Yoko too. Um, they're just... Like, the music was good to begin with, and there's a joy and a happiness in all of these. If you have any connection with the music of Cowboy Bebop, this will just... It'll scratch that itch, and... You know, I also went down a rabbit hole this week of just looking at other covers of Tank, specifically the theme song, and it's apparently a really hard song to cover well. So to hear, like, the OGs 
like do it again was was good times. Cause there's never been, there was only ever one, there was a bebop soundtrack box set that came out around the time the movie debuted that had, they did one concert in celebration of the movie and the audio from that concert, some of it, um, got released and there was a video as well, but the video was deliberately shot on like grainy. What was the YouTube comment? I saw it's like, this is the best 240 P video on YouTube. That was the only footage you ever had of them playing live together. So yeah. I mean, to have this now, the 20, 30, 25, 30 years, whatever it is since, uh, since the show came out, that's, that's just fantastic. Um, so that's on your YouTubes, uh, on Netflix, I had had a reco from this before it was on international Netflix. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to like it and I turned out that I like it quite a bit, but I have to mention that it is gory, like insanely gory. Ooh, capital G, capital G, like Harley Quinn levels, if not more. Um, and that is Dorohedero on Netflix. It is a show about this dude named Kaiman. He lives in a world. There are two, two sides to the world. There is the world of the sorcerers and then the hole where the humans live. And he was a human and got turned into a lizard head type thing. He's got this big, like Tyrannosaurus head now. And he wants to find out, um, who did this to him so they can fix him. And the only way, the only way to do it is he bites the head of a sorcerer and the sorcerer will see a person in Cayman's mouth. And the person in his mouth will like then say, no, you're not it. Or presumably, yes, you are looking for the person who did it. And, um, then he basically spits them out and says, what did the guy in my mouth say? (laughs) He's like, he said, I'm not it. And, like, and then he chops them into <laughs> a thousand pieces. Um, cause sorcerers are generally kind of dicks and, you know, experiment on humans in the hole, which is a very like post-apoc blade runner, uh, big trouble, little China type of type of vibe. And right. He's like, and he's got this partner. I don't remember her name, but she's like a crazy kick fighter. Um, and I showed Kate a picture of like the MVP of the show, which is Noi which is a, like, sorcerer syndicate, like, enforcer type of thing. She is ginormous and has long, flowing white hair and at the same time is very deferential to her much smaller senpai. <laughs> they are they are fantastic together. I'm only about four or five episodes in. Um, it's funnier than I expect it to be for as gory a show as it is, even something as stupid as, oh, like... Like I said, Cayman's got a Tyrannosaurus head, so he has these, like, really, like, freaky dreams about whatever his life was when he didn't have a dinosaur head. And then he wakes up and his pillow stuck to the back of his head. Cause his spines have stuck into it. Oh, <laughs> but, um, bump, stupid shit like that. That's on Netflix. We may talk about it further in length. I may give it to Kate cause Lord knows she loves gore. So I do. I do pass that along. And the last uh, kind of odd thing that <laughs> I delved into for the first time ever. Um, so I was on Monday this week. Um, I had the notice from FedEx that the stupidest record ever was getting delivered on Monday. <laughs> Your friends, if you're wondering what the stupidest record is, uh, look forward to a future video when I finally get all the records I bought in quarantine. And we just have a little virtual geek down sesh about that. 
And so I knew I was going to have to spend a lot of time uh, outside waiting for this. I was supposed to get here at one thirty, you know, around 10. I went downstairs into the parking lot. Uh, it was very sunny that day. I don't know why I thought I wouldn't get a sunburn, but holy shit, <laughs> did I get a sunburn on Monday. Um, but I needed something to read, and I just wanted something easy that would go down. Um, something that wouldn't require a whole lot of brain power. And I grabbed a book from my shelf that I got at a signing that I worked at major Canadian retailer like over a year ago, never cracked the spine of, I said, well, let me, let me read this guy. Finally. Um, turns out David Sedaris, very funny. Oh, David Sedaris is very funny. Never read him before. What? Never read him before. Knew him as a person and an author and by reputation, but I never really read him before. Um, yeah, so this was... And it seems so strange to me. So this was, uh, Calypso, his most recent, that he was, uh, touring on, on the back of when he dropped by a major Canadian retailer and signed our standee with, uh, what did he call it? To the whores and bastards. Thanks to the whores and bastards at major Canadian retailer, David Sedaris. <laughs> it was like, Wah. and then drew a hand giving the middle finger. And I'm like, that's the coolest shit I've ever seen. I love this man. <laughs> uh, also notably when he met me to sign my book, he thought I was like 27 and was like amazed at how old I was. And I was like, you are just such a sweetheart, sir. <laughs> You're like, thank you. I think I, I think I actually said, bless your heart. I was like, how old do you think? How old do I look? And he's like, I don't know. 27. I was like, Oh my God, bless your heart, sir. Um, yeah, so I never really read him before. He's an essayist, a humor essayist, primarily, if you know nothing about David Sedaris. Um, and I, maybe all of his books are like this. Have you read much of his work or just here and there? I've read two, two or three. I read Holidays on Ice. Mm -hmm. Uh, the owl one. Let's talk about diabetes and owls or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, and maybe a couple of earlier essays. I don't think I, I read an earlier collection, but uh, Holidays on Ice I got as a present. And he describes being an elf at Santa's Village. Yes, this is what made him his and, career, basically. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was, oh, I just, I was in tears. Like, I just, and at that time, of course, I was working retail and I had worked many Christmases. And I just, I couldn't even imagine, right? Like, um, I, I did not know yeah. that his his collections um, have kind of weave in and out of recurring motifs, kind of. So, like, mm -hmm. they're collections, but they kind of, like, also have kind of a narrative progression, which is, it's a neat trick. I took note of it. Um, whereas, like, you know, so he may have an essay kind of basically about his sister committing suicide, and then in a later essay, there will be, like, a mention, like, a callback to it. Like, and then he meets one of his other sisters somewhere, and they're like, oh, did I mention, did you hear I got Tiffany's, to you know, toxicology report or something? Um, mm -hmm. Or, like, there's one essay about him buying a beach house, kind of like a, as an F.U. <laughs> to his family type of thing. Um, and then there are multiple scenes in other essays that tie back to, like, time spent at the beach house with his family or, like some snapping turtle with a giant growth on its head that he wants to feed a tumor to like, <laughs> but I just want to, it's, it's right at the beginning. Like, so this is like the first page. He's basically writing about how having company at his house. Um, he's been with his partner, Hugh for a long ass time. They're not married. They might be legally married. Now there's an essay about that, that just for like tax reasons, they got married. Um, 
and he's basically just talking about how when they have company now, you know, he's in such a position that he can have a guest room. Um, follow me, I now say. The room I lead our visitors to has not been hastily rearranged to accommodate them. It does not double as an office or a weaving nook, but exists only for one purpose. I have furnished it with a bed rather than a fold-out sofa, and against one wall, just like in a hotel, I've placed a luggage rack. The best feature, though, is its private bathroom. If you prefer a shower to a tub, I can put you upstairs in the second guest room, I say. There's a luggage rack up there as well. I hear these words coming from my puppet-lined mouth and shiver with middle-aged satisfaction. Yes, my hair is gray and thinning. Yes, the washer on my penis has worn out, leaving me to dribble urine long after I've zipped my trousers back up, but I have two guest rooms. <laughs> <laughs> the washer in the penis wearing out? That was... <laughs> I was like, well, however long I'm out here waiting for this fucking package, um, I'm, with, I'm with you, Mr. Sedaris. Um... <laughs> So, and uh, I don't know if, like, in one day I read, like, 150 pages of this book. I don't know if the books I've been reading up to this point are just too difficult or too boring, but, like, he just went down real easy and real fast. So, maybe I need to uh, adjust my reading habits, but that's about all I got into this week. But that sounds like quite a bit, Jordan. And you want to know why you probably had time for all that? Because mm. last week was 900 years long. Just had all this extra time. It's amazing. I was like, oh my God, what month is it? Wednesday? <laughs> Friends, I have no package updates for you. Although the first rec- the first package I ma- ordered from Osaka on April 11th just shipped out today. So uh, way to get back on the horse, Japan Post. Hey, they're doing a lot better than other places. They really are. We'll, we'll talk in a future episode about how uh, round round two Japan Boogaloo is starting to uh, crystallize in my brain. But that'll come at a later time. Right now, friends, we got to take a break so we can come back and kick off Opportune June with the yearly tradition. Yep. Kate watched Dutana. I watched Avatar. Everybody going to be disappointed. We'll get into that when we come back from this break. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. What? As it is opportune June, we are bringing things that we have talked about before, and in this special edition, specifically things we have talked about multiple times. So many times. So many times. Uh, part of this is because I am determined to make Jordan watch the entire Avatar of the Last Airbender series. <laughs> much and like, part of it much like I'm now determined to make Caitlin watch the entirety of Revolutionary Girl Lutana. Before we get into it, ooh, I'm remembering what to do. We have rules. Huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. I know. This is all weird again. What are the rules, Caitlin? The first rule is the rule of three, which is if the thing comes in parts, you read, watch, consume three of those parts to get let the thing have a chance to become the thing it's trying to become. I mean, look, at this point, we're both knee-deep in whatever the, these things are going to be, so I don't know how many Kate watched, but I definitely watched more than three, but we'll get into that. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. 
which is the rule that we will not talk about these things until we are sitting in front of our microphone slash headset. <laughs> we have no, we have no idea. And you know why that is? You may have forgotten. You've been out here in these streets for so long, just, just scrounging for stale takes. So you may have forgotten what you get from your new BFFs. Also known as Jordan Kate's house of hot takes. Where we <laughs> hot del- take emporium, where, if you will. Where we deliver you the freshest of takes. Um, the third rule, which isn't really a rule, it's more of a policy, is that there will be spoilers. Blah, 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 blah. If you don't like spoilers, you can go fuck right off. How long's it been, y'all? Did you miss having Kate telling you to fuck right off? Probably. I am pretty charming. Well, round three <laughs> for these so items. For those of you who don't know, um, during the first, or, or sorry, early on in the show, we gave each other, I gave Jordan Avatar The Last Airbender. Sure, he was going to enjoy it. And... Uh, Jordan gave me Revolutionary Girl Utena. Sure that she would enjoy it. Yeah. And then I don't know when the first opportune June was. No, last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so last year during uh, what we've dubbed Opportune June. We we may have is... revisited these subjects before. I actually don't know. But, I mean, as far as, like, a branded Opportune June, I believe that was the first one was last year. Okay. Well, we created Opportune June because we've taken a look at quite a lot through our history on the show. And there are some things that we're kind of like, maybe I should give it another shot. Or maybe I should have Jordan give it another shot. Maybe he's just an old, bitter man who needs more Avatar The Last Airbender in his life. Um, so we and created Opportune Kate June. maybe just has a shallow understanding of symbolism. I mean, anything's possible. Like... Anything is possible. Um, But we created it basically so we could take a look at things again. And because what I really wanted him to watch was The Last Airbender again, that was what has become like the headliner of Opportune June. So, without further ado, Jordan. Round three. Fight. Perfect. Friends. I gave this to Caitlin on episode three initially, I think. Oh my god. Uh, that thing being Revolutionary Girl Utena or Shoujo Kakume Utena. Hopefully my Japanese accent's gotten way better from the first time we talked about this show. Um, what were the things that I thought made this program just like custom made? Like there's no, there's no way this is going to tank. Um... It's a 90s anime created by a collective called Bipapas, kind of headed by a guy named Kunihiko Ikuhara, best known for directing large swaths of the Sailor Moon 90s anime. The series follows Utena Tenjo, a teenage girl who expresses her desire to be a prince through her strong-willed personality and tomboyish manner of dress. She finds herself drawn into a series of sword duels to win the hand of Ansi Himemia, a mysterious girl known as the Rose Bride who possesses the power to revolutionize the world. So we're flipping genders. We're getting weirdly kind of queer and yuri with it. Like it's got, what could possibly go wrong? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I just really want to call back and I'm telling you now, because we, 
last year I was very diplomatic about Avatar, and then you came in with, like, basically, this is fucking stupid. I went back and I listened <laughs> to that episode. That's a quote. But what about the story there? I mean, again, we're not reinventing the wheel here. But stupid. Like, <laughs> stupid? Story is stupid. Outright stupid? It is stupid. That's Did a, I? That is a quote. Direct quote. Stupid. It's fucking stupid. So... <laughs> Wow, I'm so harsh. I'm just saying. I got two in the clip. Whether or not I fire them will depend depend on your attitude. I don't know how far Kate got on this. Where do I went back to listen to where we even left off? Uh, we were still in the first core, I believe, where Utena was fighting the student council of the Otori Academy and starting to piece together the role of the Rose Bride and her position as the groom of the Rose Bride, the head, the chief, the winning duelist, whatever. There may have been some weird stuff with redhead guy's sister. I don't know. All I know is that Kate said she watched a shit ton of episodes. Kate, I don't expect that this has changed your mind in any way, but just tell me what you watched and how much you hated it. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, so I could not, for the life of me, remember where I ended up. So I knew I had at least got to episode six. So I watched from episode seven until the end of the first series. All right. So that'd be take you to, did it take you through episode. to 13 or? To which one? Sorry. 13, which is technically a recap episode, but does have some yes. plot movements. Yeah. I, I, I did end up watching the, I even watched the recap episode and I was like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to go for it. Cause they were, I could see at the beginning, there were bits and pieces that I was like, that's new. <laughs> so I knew they were doing a recap episode, like obviously, but I was like, that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that. A uh, staple of nineties um, and two thousands anime. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, the weird thing is I, I, I don't hate it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? I don't hate it. I don't hate it. There are things that I don't like about it. Friends, I gotta there go. I gotta. That... I got. I gotta rethink my entire. <laughs> I have notes to rewrite. I, don't... I was like, it was so weird because I was talking to senior correspondent Chris about it when we were watching it on Friday night, and I was like, or I guess it was Saturday night, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure last time I said like I didn't hate it as much, but you're <laughs> like, no, you said you. You thought it was fucking stupid. Um, there are things that I don't like. The, uh, the jury episode also, especially was the one you were like. <laughs> that was the moment where we were like, we almost got into a legit fight. <laughs> fight? Yeah. Um, there are, yeah. I guess things I liked, I'll just talk about, because I, I can't fully remember. I remember some of the things I didn't like. The marionettes, I think, are weird. Um, I know... Uh, friend of the show, Misha Hanman, was, like, devastated and was like, what are you stupid? Misha has, a, th like, the Misha has a thesis has ready. The he's, got, he's got a thesis ready to post on the, on the Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. Um, and still, there was a couple episodes where I could see, and again, I don't know if this is a, a sub thing, like, I, I had a bad sub, but these subs seemed to be okay. The marionettes made a little bit more sense in some cases. Some cases I was still like, huh? Um, there are some things I started to enjoy. Definitely the, like, this, it's, I think I'm enjoying it now because I know how silly it is. Like, it's not, if you don't take it seriously, mm. 
then it becomes more enjoyable. Like the, the Latin music, when the, you know, the, the staircase opens up to the, like, platform under the upside down castle I'm sorry. <laughs> even saying that is ridiculous i'm sorry did you mean zetai unmei moku shiroku <laughs> is that what you meant sure that's what i meant um, and maybe it was because i had just seen a, a meme about like when the when you think you've like uh finished off the boss but latin music starts <laughs> and you're like oh fuck like in the boss battle and you're like oh fuck <laughs> Um, which is a very Japanese thing. Um, the lyrics were still very ridiculous, but also fun. Um, I, things I don't like just in general, um, and it happens a lot, much, um, much more often in sort of Japanese anime and manga is, uh, like incest stuff. And there was like oh, yeah. definitely oh, yeah. tones of that. And I was like, this is getting real weird. Um, do not like that. Um, but I liked how, like, conniving. I'm just going to use hair colors. Redhead was. You're really like, hitting a point in these episodes where, like, like, you're getting to the climax of that first arc, right? So, I mean, people's motivations and how they're, what they're willing to do and what they have been doing kind of... You know, yeah. the curtain gets pulled back on that a little bit. So that's interesting. And then, like, if you if you do immerse yourself in sort of like the silliness of it in a way, it kind of you're just like, this is silly. But you also want to see what happens with the duels, right? <laughs> um, I really, I you know, initially or at least for like the first half of the first season, um, Anthe is very. You think she doesn't like have a personality or wants, likes, dislikes. And then in that second half, you see because of Utena, she starts to like almost hope and have likes and dislikes. Like the scene where she like, she asks to have more friends. Right. And it's like, it's absolutely devastating. Um, Or like when she like, and this isn't a spoiler. If you listen to our last episode, I basically told Kate what happens to the rest of the, (laughs) the rest of the, season like when Utena loses because yeah. the redhead has like you know gotten into her head and manipulated her and preyed on kind of her hopes I guess um and then when Utena challenges him again um even though he's kind of said like you know hey you don't have to be you know you should be happy you don't have to be involved in all this weird stuff anymore you can just go back to doing your shit uh, and then Wakaba like steps to Utena and is like, not normal is your normal and challenges again. And Ansi just basically, you get like an inner monologue for her for like the first time, I think in the show where she's basically like, why is Utena fighting? Like she doesn't have to do this. Like she's lost. Why does she keep fighting? Um, and yeah, you do get the sense that like this, like stone faced, essentially like, you know, puppet girl does actually have like inner thoughts and wants and like Utena has meant something to her type of thing. Yeah. And, um, shout out to like her little, her friend who's like in love with her. Um, Wakaba. 
Yeah, who just is like, this is not you. Like, snap the fuck out of it. And when they, like, slap each other. <laughs> because also, all the slapping. And I, I hate seeing Anthony get slapped. Like, I, it hurts me to my core. I, you shouldn't laugh, but I forgot about it. So when I was doing the rewatch, just so I would know what you were saying, the first time she got slapped, I was like, oh, take a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I hate, like, I just absolutely hate that. Um, yeah, I... And I, I probably, there's a chance that we're going to get into the next set of, like, the next arc, I guess they call it. Because, the Black Rose arc. It just sounds really cool. Because I gotta say, like, I'd mentioned the last time we talked about the show, like, how I came to it. And for, right. for years, all you could get, all that was available in North America was this arc on two DVDs. That's all that was out there. That's all you could get. And it either didn't sell Sorry, well. Just the Black Rose arc? No, just what you saw was all that was oh, available. Oh, just the first season. So, that's all you could get. Either didn't sell, or the company went out of, the distributor went out of business, or some shit. Like, so for years, the last thing I saw from Mutana was this, like, recap episode where you see Anthony's brother for the first time, and he's talking to the prince that looks just like him, and you're like, what is happening? And even though it's a recap yeah. episode... You see, like, the marionette, the shadow girls have, like, left and taken a spaceship over to, like, another area. Like, clearly, yeah. they're setting the stage for whatever's going to come next. And then you see, like, this yeah. black rose in a case. And it just cuts to, like, this screen full of, like, a hundred boys whipping their heads to look at you. And, like, to be continued. And that's where it ended for, like, three years until, like, the rest of it got licensed. And it was just like... <laughs> this is like when they replayed Sailor Moon on YTV. Yes. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, after the first arc, the first season. And then they did it, like, two other times as they were waiting for the translations of the other seasons. And they didn't announce when they had new episodes. It was just like, you're like, fuck. And then it rolled over into new shit, and you were like, Yeah, and you just, like, lost your mind. I have seen first season, Sailor Moon, like, eight (laughs) times. Um, But, yeah, just... I don't know what it was. I guess because I kind of knew what I was getting in into, and I was sort of like, "Let's see what happens next episode," and well, who's she doing this time? And I just sort of embraced the weird. But I don't. I know, like, I just don't like incest stuff. I know it comes up in <laughs> Oopsie. a lot, and I, I feel like there's going to be a lot more. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, so that's what I got to look forward to. But I think both Senior Correspondent and I enjoyed it. And every time the, like, platform or the stairs open up to the platform, to the castle, um, we were both like, oh, shit, here we go. <laughs> and also, really want to know what's in the castle now. Like, <sighs> I want to go to the Upside Down Castle. Like, <laughs> what's there? So there's all there's bits of mystery, and so I did enjoy it, but I it's definitely not my favorite thing. Um, and I hope I do, because I think last year I might have said I was going to look at it, and I never did again. <laughs> so I really do hope. It, it's actually all up on YouTube. It is. That and I can see. Um, and le- that's legitimate, what watching it on. Legitimately, and, like the company that licensed it through the entire series on YouTube, sub or dub. So yeah. have at it. Yeah, that's what I watched the, it on, too. The sub is, I mean, one of the first, the reason I disliked it immediately so much at the beginning was because I watched the dub. Right. And it was awful. 
like just every part of it was awful. The uh, sub is much, much better. And Utena's voice actress is great. I don't know who she is, but on the, I just, on the sub? I really like her. On the dub. On the dub. Like the Japanese voice actress. She's just, I just love her voice. Um, and anyways, so yeah, so that's how I feel about that. So I guess, uh, uh, I don't, I don't know what your, I don't know what your OG, uh, rating was, but I think it was like a three. Like I was so upset. I hated the dub so much. It really (laughs) does hugely change your experience of an anime. Um, but my kick punches, I'm going to say, are a seven. Well, I'll take it. Yeah. I know, I know when to just take my <laughs> take the best you can get and be happy with it. Yeah. <sighs> so it was, I, I like I said, probably a lot of it has to do with knowing what I was getting into. And then second half of the season, much more interesting than the first half. Um. Also, what's her face if I could kill the kitten? Just have to mention that because I'm like, what the f- <laughs> Fuck. And like that that was the shit that like you know, when we were in the early episodes, that's the shit I was thinking of. I was like, man, I want her to get to like this shit where like you realize how fucked up Nanami actually is and like when kinda of, like these trauma elements kind of come into it, even though it is a very like stylized like <laughs> does anybody have parents? I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> like, th- th- right things like that. Who built this school? Where did it come from? Like yeah. Um, well, you can let all that shit go and just kind of like take it as it is and appreciate that shit. Like the subtle touch of the box opening as <laughs> it goes over the waterfall. Like they took a moment to lean that into it, to lean into that. I remember oh, yeah. seeing that the first it time was, being like, oh, oh, you guys are assholes. It was devastating. Um, yeah, the Black Rose arc is where it really. I remember that one more clearly than the third arc. I will probably. I'm like halfway through the Black Rose arc now. I was just like really burning through them last night. And I was like, well, I guess I'm in this for a full rewatch now, which I've said every time I've given it to you. But I seem to be in, <laughs> seem to be in deeper now than I was before. Um, it's This is really where it goes like, you know, French New Wave. Like, <laughs> where like, Thanks. she's like fighting in like, the whole thing with the Black Rose arc is there was like a legend about of like, you know, a burning build down, burned down and killed like a hundred boys type of thing. And so now the dueling arena has like a hundred desks scattered, school desks scattered about it with like some sort of thematic prop on it, whether it's flowers or a bird or a milkshake, like, um, <laughs> and like chalk outlines all over the floor. And like when she wins, all the desks like go like shump and like move to like different corners. And like, there's a descending elevator thing. And like, yeah, it's, Black Rose Arc is wild, y'all. Well, we'll see. Well, I'm, I kind of hope that I do actually get into it. So many times I've been like, yeah, I will, and then I never do. So this is why we have Opportune June. But I do hope, because I'm kind of interested, and in, in I've seen a lot of stuff in, like, looking just for the show online, like a lot of stuff about the Black Rose Arc. So mm. uh, I am interested. Count that as a victory. Moving Excellent. on. Moving on. So, Avatar The Last Airbender is um, an American animated television series created by Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konietzko with Aaron Ihaz as a head writer. It aired on Nickelodeon for three seasons from February 2005 to 2008. 
um, Avatar is set in an Asiatic-like world um, in which some people can manipulate the classical elements with psychokinetic variants of the Chinese martial arts known as bending. The main character is Aang. He is, as the title lets you know, he's both the Avatar and the last airbender. The Avatar is basically like the essence of this sort of power. Um, and He's Jesus in the booty, y'all. Kind of, yeah. And he sort of taps into this ancient power, and he's supposed to tap into it so he will defeat um, the Fire Nation, which has taken over the rest of the year, as he's been sleeping for, I can't remember how many years. Is uh, it triple digits? There are old people who remember him or, like, know of him. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago that the airbenders were wiped out, but I'm sure somebody um, remembers and they'll let us know, but... It's been a while. Yeah, I can't remember. It's been quite a while. Um, I love this show, especially in the next two seasons. Like, it just (laughs) is. Well, this is what we've talked about before. I think I mentioned it in the last. I mean, I liked it from the get-go, but I've been talking to a lot of people, and they agree. Like, the first seasons, they work to build the characters and the story, and the world, and then the, uh, so the first book is called Water, where you meet the other two main characters for now, uh, which are brother and sister. Um, the second book is Earth, and the third book is Fire, um, and second and third by far are the best, but I still liked it from the get-go, I'm just saying, as Jordan laughs that the other two are stronger um, but it can be said for any show, um, sometimes a first season, especially with, like, Star Trek. <laughs> like, a first season is not what you want to show people um, of those shows. But you have to get through first season so that second and third season will be as good as they are. Um, I'm trying to think if I need to say anything specific. This is, a like, a kid's show, um, so there are moments that are very silly, but... This is what my my problem is, but so is a lot of anime, and Jordan loves that, but not this. Anyways, that's what I have to say about it. Jordan, what did you think this go-around? How much did you watch? Where did you get to? Well, I'm through the first season, y'all. Okay, that's great. How did you like the last couple episodes? <sighs> I mean, like, I like them, but it suddenly seemed like there were, like, a million things that, new things just getting thrown out all the time. Like, we're killing the moon now. <laughs> and there's romance. And romance is dumb. This show doesn't need romance. Who are we trying to get? We don't what? need romance here. Does oh, Sokka fall in love with some white-haired girl he just met? Like, <laughs> but he's got, but he's got to fall in love with her, so he has some attachment to her when she sacrifices herself to bring the moon back. But um, but It's cool, love. Love at first sight, and also his girlfriend's now the moon. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be with him always. Um, these are not inherently bad things in themselves, but they might have needed more than like two episodes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but listen, I don't, I don't know what the uh, what the production schedule of this show was like, or if they knew <laughs> how much time they were going to get from uh, season to season. So they may have had to burn through some shit. At the end of it. Um, it sounds like such a shitty thing to say, but like, 
I wish the show had more money and maybe did have more money later on because I see like the fight scenes and I'm like, these could be better. Like your big, like, listen, he went out and he started, started fighting. Uh, so the, the plot is like, as we get to the climax here of the first season and got to learn water bending. So they go up to the, is the Northern water tribe, the last like full tribe of waterbenders or like, yes. Okay. So yeah, cause there was, no, there was no one, there was no one really left to even teach guitar. Right. Is that her name? Did I fuck it yep. up? Guitar. Um, she like yeah. knew a little bit and had like, had it intuit. She could intuit some shit, but she had like no formal training. There was nobody to train her formally. Um, so yeah, they're heading for the Northern water tribe. That's basically the arc of the whole season. And then they have their little side ventures on the way as they go. Um, and you know, they get there, there's a princess who's engaged to a turd who you don't even meet him for like another episode and a half after he's mentioned for the first time. I was like, Oh, what a jerk, I guess. Um, but then, you know, the fire nation knows he's, did they know he was there? Did they know that's where he was heading? And that's why, cause dude killed Zuko or tried to kill Zuko. Fire nation admiral tries to kill Zuko. Um, his uncle kind of like plays double agent. No Zuko's alive. Zuko's stowing away on the ship to get there. Cause his whole thing is like, I snatch the avatar and bring him back myself. So my father will like, I don't know, approve of me. Um, I don't know why I have it written in my notes. I must've had a good reason, but it says the commitment to quote Zuko ain't shit is admirable. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, maybe I was talking, I was probably talking about, uh, I was probably talking about how like he gets the fucking, <laughs> He gets Aang, and the Admiral's like, nah, you ain't shit. Like, <laughs> like he did He did the one thing they're supposed to be doing, but it's just like, well, not not from you. Not you, Zuko. We'll do, yeah. it, in a, we'll do it another way. Um, but yeah, when Aang goes out to, like, fight the... Fight all these um, Fire Nation ships, like, it's good. The ideas and, the and the, like, the, the fight choreography and the plan and the battle choreography, like, that's all there. But, like, the animation's kind of jerky, like... I mentioned, like, when Katara is fighting, uh, or one of them, is Katara fighting Zhao at one point, or Zuko? Katara's fighting Zuko, I think it was. Um, And, like, it's good, but in the back of my head, and I wrote this down, like, I've seen Todoroki versus Bakugo, like, in My Hero Academia. So, like, I've seen a fire versus ice fight that looked, like, 900 times better than this. Um, it also was made later I'm and had more money. aware. <laughs> yes, they had a shit ton more money. Um, and computers. They were probably faster and much more powerful than uh, the ones they used to make Avatar. Toph still ain't here, Kate. Y'all keep telling me I gotta watch till Toph shows up. Toph still ain't here. Where I Toph? told you Toph comes in second season. Where Toph at? Where Toph at? And um, you were like, no, Caitlin, the the hour rules. <laughs> the, the, the Final it's Fantasy It's called the Final rules, Fantasy Caitlin. 13 rule, like, Caitlin. Fine. I'm just gonna keep you keep making you watch it i still maintain it's anime for people who haven't seen anime that doesn't make it a bad thing not everybody's gonna like anime this is maybe more palatable to this type of storytelling i don't think it does it as well as anime i am stunned by the fact when i think that both of these shows that we watched that we keep giving each other are made for the same demographic right (laughs) utana is a show for like nine to twelve year olds what? 
So is Avatar. From Western perspective, you go, obviously Avatar is. You look at Utana and go, that's a fucking Godot film. Like, why are we... <laughs> Godot, or whatever also, the fuck his name is. Also, there's a lot of, like, sex, sexual tension and incest stuff. Taking Weird. off... Taking off your glasses will never creep you out more. <laughs> Look forward to that. Great. Um, <laughs> I need to watch now. So, I mean, I liked what it was. I thought it was just whipping through these last. I thought they could have used like a three more episodes on the season to really make it hit. But, I mean, it wasn't bad. It's a kid's show. Like, they don't really have to worry about pacing. It's for 10-year-olds, right? Like, it's... Yeah. A 10-year-old isn't going to go, that cut was weird. 42-year-old Jordan's going to go, that cut was weird. Um, God, you're so old. <laughs> I, I, I can't deny it. Like, I didn't hate it. I just but still don't understand the devotion this show engenders from its fan base. Like... I just told you it's from season two and three. <laughs> and even now, like it's back on Netflix. So like it's having a moment again. Like, yeah, people are like, oh shit, Avatar so dope. And I'm like, word, is it, is it though? It is. But see, this is also why I'm making you watch it. So you can be part of the culture. You'll understand <laughs> what people are talking about. So I can be, be You'll part understand of... memes. You need to understand memes if you're going to stay relevant, Jordan. Be part of the culture, bro. Um, oh, that's what it was. Um, what was his name? Face Stealer? Face Eater? Terrible name, but I really like that scene. Um, yeah. Made, made a good creepy looking thing. Just put a little creepiness in it. Give me a little give me a little something more than just kids laughing and having oh. fun. Like, Oh, there's going to be some creepiness, all right. Good. You guys out there know. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's going to be some creepiness. Taking off your glasses, y'all. We're, like, trying to, like, tease each other. <laughs> entice each other to keep watching shit uh yeah i give it like a 7.5 on the season as a whole definitely with both of these things i think we can say like there has been an upward arc for both of them like yeah our interest our interest our engagement our enjoyment of them have increased the more we've watched we probably Mm -hmm. both of us would not have watched any more than three episodes we initially watched if we didn't keep making each other watch it but yeah we did so here we are um Am I going to watch it on my own time? I don't know. How much longer am I going to be in lockdown? I got another, like, 20 episodes of Utena to get through. <laughs> Fucking knows. But if not, I'll see you next year, eh? Yeah. Well, that's Great. on Netflix, y'all. That's, I'm just, I'm very pleased by that. How, oh, God, how how we do? We're so, it's been so long. Since we, um, we actually I, had to, I like. Don't, I don't know. Well, let us know, friends. How did we do? <laughs> Suggestion box open on Twitter. At Geekdown Pod. Let us know how Facebook. this went. Facebook. Facebook. www. What? www. Dot. Facebook. Dot. Com. Forward slash. Geekdown Pod. Also, where we will announce the remainder of Opportune June. We haven't discussed what they're going to be yet, but I mean, we'll figure that out. I believe there's four more on, three or four more on the month. We'll probably Four do more. another one. We'll probably do another one that we order the other person to watch. Uh, grab one or two for ourselves, host choice, and then uh, yeah, open it up to the people. Either something you want us to go back to, or something we've never looked at before. Can't guarantee that we'll like it. But the hurt feelings about Ducktales are still there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. She never says anything. Never says anything, but <laughs> but you t- know, I can feel it. I can feel it. 
Ah, friends, welcome back to your Informat Geekdown. Thank you for spending an hour and change with us every week. As the world falls apart, it does mean the world to us. We hope we can give you uh, as much respite from the insanity of the world listening to it as we get from making it. I know uh, we certainly feel the need to keep making it, to keep ourselves sane, so hopefully that works for you all as well. Stay safe, take care of each other, protect black lives. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and we hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Pew, 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 pew. Um, uh, okay. Just give me one second. I have to turn the air off. I am very cold. One moment. Oh, what a hor- how, how horrible for you. It's so tragic. Caitlin's too cold.